Divine Truth Assistance Group. These group assistance sessions are about putting principles of divine truth into action. This discussion is part of the 2014 Australia Group 1 series. Jesus gives an introduction to understanding self, filmed on the 13th of July 2014 in Monterey, New South Wales, Australia. So today we are focusing, the whole focus today is on understanding yourself. Understanding self. Right? That's our focus. There's three areas we're going to focus on. There's more than three that we could focus on, but the three areas we're focusing on today are the three areas that we feel where the mo people need the most assistance at this point in time. Does that make sense? There's a lot more information we could present on the subject of understanding yourself, but today we want to focus on the things that will help you the most at this point in time. So the talk that I'm now going to give to you is basically an introduction to yourself. G'day, my name's Jesus. What's yours? <laughs> An introduction to yourself. And most of us have no idea who we really are, that's to be honest. We have very little idea of who we really are. And the main reason why we have little idea of who we are is because we've never given ourselves much con contemplation from an analytical perspective and most of us as yet do not understand the soul. Right? Most of us were still very focused on the appearance of the, phys or the, the physical body. Some of us have got an idea, oh, we've got some a spirit body behind everything that, that seems to be governing some things. But very few of us really understand our soul at this point. And t today we're going to talk about why that's the case. Why, why we struggle with understanding our soul. But before we get started on this subject, which, which I feel is a very fascinating subject, I've spent a lot of the last 2,000 years spending time attempting to understand myself and understand the human soul and how it functions. Right? And if you can understand the human soul and how it functions, you have a great capacity for personal growth, an infinite capacity in fact for personal growth. The soul is one of the most, and I believe is the most, fascinating creation of God. It is the most highest creation of God. It is the most complex creation of God. And all of the laws of the universe have been created in order to govern the way the soul functions. So even the universe in which you live has been created specifically for you to learn about how your soul functions. So God created the souls and then God created the universe that is perfect for the souls to live in. Does everyone get that? So, so if you think about it from God's perspective, the highest creation the human soul, was given a lot of lower creations, the universe, the creatures in the universe, all the matter in the universe and all these other things. And, and also, when I say universe, I'm really talking about universes because there are multi-layered. You know, you've got the physical universe, then you've got different spheres in the spiritual universe. And then there's actually other universes relating around just pure soul functions. 
that all come into existence as you grow. Your soul is this fascinating thing that even creates universes by its own creation because of the framework that God has created for your soul to live in. Now at the moment on earth we, we're not thinking that way of course because so, we feel so limited and we feel so restricted. But we need restriction in the place we are now because if you were given unlimited power right now, you would badly misuse that ability. To, to actually have true power in the universe in which you live, you need to know about love and you need to know about how the soul functions. Right? And that knowledge is not going to come to you through some kind of new age process where you know all of a sudden you're a magical being after not being a magical being for 50 years. It doesn't happen like that. It can't. In fact, God designed it to not happen like that. That is called spirit overcloaking and possession. And my suggestion is to avoid that. <laughs> it's never going to do you too good. So what, what do we need to talk about with regard to understanding ourselves? Well, let's firstly focus on the issue of stagnation, shall we? What I have observed when people are stagnant, if we can just go, so my observations and let's have a look at them. Most people don't really understand themselves. Most people don't even want to know God. And most people have never really come face to face about the truth about themselves. Right. In fact, most people resist the process of coming face to face the truth about themselves. So this is what people who are stagnant don't do. What, what do they do? Let's have a look at the next slide. What do they do? They want to ignore their own true condition. They want to ignore God. They want to ignore their feelings and their emotions and experiencing things. They want to ignore what God created them to be. This is why we're completely unaware as humanity, from a humanity's perspective, we're completely unaware of what's really going on. So these are the primary issues of stagnation. So let's go to our next slide and have a look at and I'm going to present this information today quite quickly, right? So let's have a look at our next slide. So, so what's the importance of understanding yourself? Well, obviously, what I've just said is really important for you to remember. The whole universe has been created for you to learn about yourself. It's your playground. Right? Now, I don't know if you often think about, you know, the council playgrounds in Australia that they make, you know, the community playgrounds that we have here. They don't prevent you from having accidents, do they? They're focused on giving you some fun and potentially, depending if you do something wrong with those, that piece, those pieces of equipment, you might have some accidents. Now, when you're on a playground and you have an accident, what do you do? You have, usually a child would have a cry and then get back up on the playground because they love playing on the playground. Right? What do we do as adults? We, we have an accident, we have a mistake, we, we sit down on the ground and instead of crying, we don't cry at all, and then we say, I'm never doing that again. And we don't. Right? That's what we do. Right? And we've got to stop doing that. We've got to start seeing the universe like a great big playground that we can play, play in, that we can experiment with. And it's all to help your soul grow. 
and, and for you to come to a true knowledge of who you are. Now, without understanding self, you can't grow. Without knowing where you're starting from, well, you, you can't grow. Without, without understanding how your soul's made, you can't grow. Right? Now, what we want to do and what we'd like to see on the planet is that everyone becomes aware of their soul and aware of how their soul functions. And part of what I'm going to discuss with you today is about that. Now, as you know, on the internet, many of you would already know that we've done a whole series of FAQs on the human soul and how it functions already. So if you haven't had a look at that material, my suggestion is that you have a look at it. It's on the FAQ channel of, the, of YouTube, or if you've got it on your hard disk drive, it's, uh, it's, on, it's under FAQs, human soul, how, and, and you'll see the list there of how the human soul functions. There's eight discussions, some of which I had with Luli and some of which I've had with Mary. My suggestion is go through that material. It'll help you understand your soul. Without understanding your soul, you won't be able to grow. Now, a concept that I've, pre uh, that I've talked to you about previously is the understanding of the three selves. Do you remember that concept? Yeah? Can you remember what the three selves are? And let's use the microphones now. So what are the three selves that, that you can remember? And if we can do them one by one, but it doesn't worry me which one you come up with first, right? So if we go Nina, just at the back there, and on this side, Teresa. So I'm naming just one? Yep. Our facade self. Your facade self. So let's put that there. Yes. Okay. Another one? Hurt self. Your hurt self. So let's put that there. Okay. And the third one. Can we go back to die with the mic there? The real self. The real self. Okay. Okay. Now, today, myself and Mary are focusing you, in particular, on two of those three selves. But in this introduction part, we are going to discuss all three selves. And we're going to give you an, a bit of an idea of how to recognise these three selves. So, so what we've done is we've introduced you to the three selves, the undamaged self that God created, the hurt self, what created the hurt self, no, not just that. So, let, let's ha so what was said there was parents, if we use microphones, there's some, something else that also contributes to the hurt self. What is, what is that, do you think, if we go to Sue? Our environment. It's our environment, yes, but, but there's more to it than that. See, that. see, our environment is external to ourselves, is it not? So what else creates the hurt self? We go, Dave. I do. Yes. How? By not feeling what the environment created in myself, and then damaging others, and yes. And so, damaging so, myself. so there's two processes. There's the choice to not feel what's been done, but there's also then the choices you make that are out of harmony with love that also hurt yourself. Yep. Definitely. Exactly. Yep. Good day. What creates the facade self? If we come across to Al, Alan. 
supporting our addictions. Yes, but where did this process start, Alan? Like, did it start in our adulthood? Or did it start in our childhood? What, 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 what began or created this desire for us to create a facade? Right? So if we come down to... Felix? I created it by the... Oh, sorry. I created it by the desire to avoid my own pain. Yes, so you participated in the creation of the facade. Yeah. But how did you come up with the idea that it was a good thing to do? My environment. Correct. So um, somebody yeah. in your environment, usually it's your parents, illustrated that to you by doing it themselves. Yeah. And they actually many times forced us into doing that. Does it make sense? So, so again, there's two parts to the creation of the facade itself. And that is, firstly, we had a lot of, had a lot of hurt and we decided to deny that hurt. But then also we were helped in doing that because our parents illustrated and our environment illustrated to us how to do all of that. And that's how we learnt how to do it. Right? So that's the creation of the facade itself. So that's just a general introduction. Now what we want to do is go into each individual self. So let's do that, shall we? So let's focus now our attention on our hurt self, uh, sorry, our real self. So let's do that. And let's go into a bit more detail about how that, what, what the parts of that self are and who created it. So who created the real self? Oh. Right, let's use a mic because it's, like, it's really good to get the comments. If we go to Denise. God created our real self. Is that strictly true? Well, it is true that God created parts of our real self. Mm. Right? So let's have a look at our real self. So God created what parts of our real self? So if we come down to that. Our personality. Our personality, yeah. This is very important, isn't it? Personality. Yep. Anything else that you can think of that God created? Joy? Um, our soul. Our soul. So, but that is our real self. Yes. So, so you're talking so about the same the, thing. So within the soul. Um, so what did God create within the soul? Our desires. No. He didn't? No. Okay. Who creates our desires? We do. We do. Yep. Matt? God creates like the actual container. So the actual, the actual physical the actual container physical of ourselves. Yeah. Yes, that's true. So you could say, so God does create the soul, which is the container of what? Is this getting all too complicated already? <laughs> um, if we go to um, Sherry, up back there. If you just keep your hand up, Sherry. That's it. Is it the physical container for the physical and spiritual bodies? Um, well, no, because they are, just, they are just attachments to the real self. They are, they are if you like, expressions that, are, that actually other people create. So the spirit body and the material body, who creates that? The parents? 
Yeah, your parents, when they have sex, they conceive you and during the process of conception, the two bodies that are attached to the half of the soul are created. So, so God didn't create that. God didn't create the spirit body or the material body. God created the laws that govern its function. Does that make sense? God created the laws that govern the function of the soul. And all of the attachments that can happen to the soul, of which the spirit body and the material body are two, they are all governed by laws as well. Right? So all of those laws are all laws that govern the function of the soul. Even the way the soul splits into two halves is governed by a law. Right? Everything's governed by these laws. And so the soul, God created... The, the governance, or you could say the framework within which the soul exists. Okay? Then God creates the personality. Right? Is there anything else you can think of that God might create? If we go to Karen. Just... Uh, true passions? No. 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 If we go across to Vanessa. Would it be the longing for God's love itself, even if it in our no. real self that's not there? No. <laughs> Interesting, hey? Uh, Mel, if we go across here. Is it our, he creates our potential for our will, for how we use our will? Like he creates our... Um, our emotions, like we have the choice to feel it. All right, now let's look at this emotion thing. Um, you could say the soul has some instinctual characteristics, could you not? Yeah. Um, if, we, if we just put that there. Okay. So... Being emotional is yes. one instinctual characteristic of the soul. Does that make sense to everyone? Being emotional is one of those instinctual characteristics. So God created the instinctual characteristics of the soul. We'll go through some of them soon. All right. If we come down to Dave and maybe across to uh, Peter. So with the instinctual characteristics, that would be like our desire to absorb truth or just our ability to receive truth from the environment or error, I guess? Yes, God did not create any of your desires. Mm. So even a desire to absorb truth, God did not create that. But God did ability, create though, or? an instinctual characteristic called inquisitiveness. Mm. <laughs> Does that make sense? There's yep. a difference between desire and inquisitiveness. Inquisitiveness is a natural characteristic of the soul. You, you, you look at a child... You place a child, any child that's just one or two years of age, in a new environment, what does it do? It goes around experimenting with the boundaries of the entire environment, does it not? It taste tests everything, smell tests everything, crush tests everything, and works out whether anything, <laughs> how everything in its environment works. That, and that desire to do that is not really a desire. It's an instinct that God created in part of the soul. It can be developed further into passion and desire, but there is a natural characteristic of the soul that can be developed. Does that make sense to everyone? 
Yeah? So this gives you, this is the best way probably to, to, to describe it. Instinctual characteristics and attributes. It's like, if you look at anything in God's universe that has a, a, a body, usually, or some kind of an, um, function, like an organism that has some kind of function, they all have instinctual characteristics built in. So a bird's instinct is to fly. It, it knows how to fly by instinct. It has to be taught just very quickly. Usually within a day, it's flying, right? It knows how to use its wing. It's an instinctual process. Now, all of the animals in God's creation all have instinct built into them. And we, being one of those animals, also have instinct built into us. The human soul has a whole series of instincts built into it. But they can all be developed. Or... Suppressed. Right. And who does the developing? We do. And who does the suppression? In the end, we do. Or we do it to somebody else and then they learn to do it to themselves. Does everyone get that? Okay. So, the personality of my real self is created by God. The expression of my real self is controlled by myself. The development of my real self is controlled by myself. Does that make sense? So my real self has the ability to grow and change. It also, by the way, has the ability to attempt its own self-destruction without actually ever destroying itself. So you can grow and change in a positive direction or negatively, and it can be your real self that does those things. Right? And at my conception, my real self has not been hurt and it does not play facade. Now, notice I've been very specific there. At my conception, it hasn't been hurt or played facade. After that point, what happens to that real self depends very much upon, firstly, the environment who allows that real self to develop, and also your own choices. They are the two biggest causes of change in the real self. And in the long run, it is your choices that are by far the greatest effect. Now, most of you at this point in time think it's the other way around. You think it's the injuries coming from your environment that have the greatest effect, but actually that's not true. It's your choices that have the greatest effect on your soul. This is why Mary raised with you the issue of will yesterday. It's your choices that are the expression of your will. Amen? So you can't blame your choices on your environment, AJ? Dead right, you can't. You know, for example, a person who abuses another person can't blame it on the fact that they have personally been abused. I know many people who have been abused in their childhood who have never abused somebody else purposefully in their entire life. What, it's a choice to blame it and a choice to abuse. And this is what we need to see. You see, sometimes this choice was made very young and therefore it's coloured a lot. And sometimes the choice has been influenced by others, in particular people in our environment, usually our parents, but in the end, it is our choices that determine the kind of person we become. Now, isn't that a freeing thing? Because that means it doesn't matter who, what family you were born into and how damaged that family was, it's your choices that in the end will determine who you become. 
I know I have many friends in the spirit world who had shocking lives, far worse than any of you have ever had. Right? And they are very happy people because of their choices. And particularly the main choice, which is the choice to receive God's love. That was their primary choice. And, and, and that choice healed them of all of the past pain. And now most of them don't even hardly remember the past pain. You've got, you've, got to, you've got to give them a minute or two before they can remember. Because all of the emotional signature of those choices has gone. So your choices are by far the greatest influence on your life. Stop blaming your damage as being the greatest influence because it is not the greatest influence on you. It's your choices that are the greatest influence on you. That's a very important thing to understand. And your choices determine what happens to your real self. Barbara? That instinctual characteristics there, is that the same as the potentiality that God gave us? Yes. yes. Let's okay. look at some of them, shall we? Yeah. From an emotional perspective, from a soul-based perspective, what are some of these sort of instinctual characteristics that can either be developed or suppressed? Shall we have a look at them? Let's have a look at our next slide. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, I, I'll be talking about this for at least five minutes so you can... <laughs> yeah. So let's just look at the whole slide. Just bring them all down. That's it. So our real self is sensitive, aware, perceptive and insightful. So in other words, God created you in your real self naturally as an instinctual quality to be aware, perceptive, sensitive. That's how God created you to be. And this... This creation was in every one of you. None of you have a different amount of it. Does that make sense? It's all something that God put in you as an instinct to be. Now, some of us now, of course, are very insensitive uh, and have no awareness and so forth. Well, that's because of the things that happened or the choices we made about the things that happened to us. But God created us to be like this. God created us to be expressive, animated, communicative, open and unrestrained. Does that sound pretty good? That's how God created us to be. Now, of course, many of us have now not communicative, not open, and we're very restrained. But that's all to do with damage that occurred to the soul after this time. God created us to be honest, truthful, sincere, frank, candid, blunt and transparent. God created everyone to be like that. So these are not personality traits. These are instinctual traits that God placed inside of the soul. You need to stop seeing them as personality traits. It's like, oh yeah, he's really open and honest, as if it's him. No, it's an instinct of everybody's soul to be open and honest. He just happens to be less damaged in that regard. Does everyone get that? Everyone you meet in the celestial heavens, this is what they like. They are adventurous, courageous, daring, bold, creative, brave, and audacious. Right? You look at a child, isn't a child like that? A child that hasn't been damaged very much, often they're like that, isn't it? You think about when the child learns to walk. Doesn't all those things apply? It's trying to do things. That it definitely doesn't even have the capacity. You know, it looks at a, it looks at a long stairwell, and what does it do? 
It goes, I'm going down. I'm going down. And it's like, if it's just crawling, crawl down. Right? But if it's walking, no, it's not going to crawl anymore. That's behind. I'm going to walk down there. And sometimes it's a tumble down. Right? But then it, what does it do? Does it go, oh, I went down one stairwell. I'm never going down one again. This is what we do, right? No. The little child who's connected more to their real self goes, I'm doing that again. And they can, like, I remember my, my younger son, Caleb. We had a, uh, my parents had a stairwell. And uh, he got up one night, as he usually did in the middle of the night. I, he always got up in the middle of the night, started walking around the place and, and rolled himself down the stairwell. Right, so we wake up to this crash, bang, scream, whatever, we go down there. Five minutes later, he wants to go down it again. Like, doesn't matter to him, right? There is curious, inquisitive, questioning, probing, searching, and inquiring. That's our real. That that's the instinctual part of ourself. That's what that's what we feel like. Now, the next. One, I have to uh, correct a little, but this isn't my the latest one I did. So that's interesting. Anyway, there's a few corrections in this version, so I have to make them as I go. When I say is emotional feeling, sensing, wise, intelligent, clever, gifted, and logical, if we just go to the wise, intelligent, clever, gifted, and logical, they are things that you can develop, right? But the emotional feeling, sensing is something that God created within you as an instinctual thing. And this is why on the last one you notice I've placed can develop to become sensible, practical, responsible, accountable, dependable and rational. Now, how many of you ever thought that your real self was dependable, responsible, rational... (laughs) You know, a lot of times we throw all that away and we think that's, the, you know, the logical song from Supertramp says something like, you know, when I was young I was all these different things and then they, they taught me to become sensible, practical, responsible, as if that was a negative thing. <laughs> that's not a negative thing, that's a part of what you can develop your soul to be. If we go one more... We can develop our soul to become loving, caring, kind and gentle. By the way, your soul is not naturally loving, kind or gentle. It's not an instinctual quality. God created you with the potential to be, but it has to be developed by you, the person who has control. So there are whole areas of your real self that, that are instinctual in their nature, which we've listed. And then there's areas of yourself, and there's, by, by the way, there's far more areas of yourself that can be developed. And who develops? Yes, you. You, through your choices, develop that real self. God does not force this development upon you. And God will never do so. It has to be a choice you make to develop. So our real self is not just what God created it to be, although it is a large part at the time of conception. It is all of what God created it to be. But as you develop over time, as you grow 
as you change, as you make choices, you are actually developing your real self. You are making changes to your soul. Changes, some of which later you'll have to choose to undo if you ever want to be loving or kind or gentle. Okay? So does everyone get that so far? Does that make sense to you? Is it logical? Yes. Okay, is Nina? I just want to recap to make sure I've really understood this. So sure. the emotional feeling, wise, intelligence, clever, gifted and logical qualities are also falling into the category of ones that we can develop. Yes, of course all of these qualities are ones we can actually develop. Yeah. You know, it's like a bird who knows how to fly but it can't fly very good. Well, it can develop its gift of flying car to be an expert eventually if it wanted to be. But of course a bird doesn't have that that soul-based quality where it can make decisions for itself so it doesn't choose such things right we being the highest of god's creation our soul being the highest of god's creation has the ability to to choose such things has the ability to be self-aware and that's the gift of free will yes and and so god like the 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 free will itself is a gift an instinctual gift god's given to the soul uh-huh. the, the that is another one of these things that are a part of the instinctual or you could say the created attributes of the human soul yeah and there are many of them we've only listed a few right just to help you identify there's there's many hundreds thousands millions in fact once you start developing different things in your soul, that you start realising, wow, this was something that I never knew was there, but now that I realise it, God created it, and I can develop it. That's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome, yeah. And, and bear in mind, the soul, ha- this real self has the ability to infinitely expand. So that if, that if you think about that from a conceptual perspective, that means there must be an infinite number of qualities eventually that you can develop and expand from a logical perspective. So, so people who have been working on their soul for 2,000 years, like myself and Mary and others in the spirit world who have been doing that, have developed whole areas of the soul that you actually know nothing about at all at this point. Does that make sense? And you will know about them by developing your soul the way God designed it to be developed. Yeah? Good day. And... Joy. Just from the minute you put that list up there, it just makes me realise um, the, the potential as parents that we have for damage, damaging and shutting down our children in just so many areas. Correct. Because, you, because I think of those things as being characteristics of the child, not something that's been God-given. And um, I... You know what I'm saying? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. The, the beauty of learning about the soul, and this is what I've personally found through my life, is the beauty of learning about the soul is you start realising a lot of things you never knew before. Yeah. Like, honestly, this kind of stuff should be in universities. Yeah, because yeah. we just label a child, oh, he's not, he's not daring, or he's not this, or he's not that. And no. And, and, just... and we've got to be very careful about what is an instinctual quality that God created to be in every person's soul yeah. and what we have done to this child. Yeah. Right? And often it's quite a large amount of damage is what we've done to this child to create it to be completely different to the instinctual natural, natural part that, that was normally there, that God created to be there. 
And remember, God also created the potential of you developing your own qualities. So that means the, the framework, the laws by which you, your soul is governed, allow for God to actually introduce new attributes and characteristics from, into your soul from his soul. So this is what receiving divine love does. Receiving divine love introduces new characteristics into your soul that you never had before and you never had the potential of having. It's a, it's a remarkable design, the soul. It's, it's amazing. There's, like, there's so much that we could talk about with the soul. We're just introducing you to very briefly to this subject, right? So, Christiana? So, knowing this, this would override the whole thing of horoscopes and yeah, personality analysis and all that type of stuff. That... Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, don't forget that if a soul incarnates into another world on, in the universe, then obviously there's a whole heap of different lunar and solar and, and, and astronomical things that governed when they arrived. So why would there be any relationship between that and their soul? And the fact is you can develop anything in your soul, any quality whatsoever, so you don't have a predisposition towards certain things. Mm. Right? You do have a personality that God created, though. Yeah. Right? So yes, um, my suggestion with this astrological stuff, just give it up, you know. It's all addiction anyway. Come down to Laura. Just keep your hand up, Laura, so Karen knows she's running around the place. She's fit, though. She, she, she'll be right. So um, when we release a causal emotion, we receive God's love, and you were saying how we get new qualities that... that that weren't there, are you saying... Uh, but can I correct you on a number of levels? Firstly, when you release the causal emotion, there's no guarantee you're going to receive God's love. God, receiving God's love is all about your pure desire to receive it. Secondly, yes, you're right, when you receive God's love, there is, a, there is openings that are created in your soul that were never there before and that are not a part of the instinctual part of your soul, but rather a part of the framework that God created as the potential for your soul. So there's a whole set, whole, there's a whole list of attributes that are all about your potentials that are completely separate to the instinctuals. Alright, so this is, uh, now honestly we could talk for days and days and days and days about this subject. I'm trying to get through, and I'm already behind time, uh, a number of other aspects here. So we, you could ask hundreds of questions here, I know. But what I'm trying to do is just help you come to a brief understanding just very quickly, and then something for you to think about and we can expand upon later. Is that okay with you? Yep. Okay, so let's move on. So my real self lacks development right now, right? And what are the reasons why it lacks development? Let's go through them. Firstly, others created damage or hurt to my real self at a very young age. In fact, when I say very young age, the damage began at conception. So, so that's why there's some lack of development in our real self. Secondly, others attempted to force us into a facade to suit them at a young age, which further damaged my real self. So they, they weren't content with just hurting us, they were also wanted to mould us into being something different than what God created us to be naturally. And that, of course, then caused additional damage to us. Does that make sense? Okay, next. I continued to damage and hurt myself through my choices. 
So, so there was damage given to me, very young age, there was damage that happened due to the establishment of a facade, suppression of my real self and so forth, that's damage. But then on top of that, I made some choices. And in fact, as I said to you earlier, the biggest amount of damage that happens to the human soul is because of the choices you make. And the biggest positive effect that happens to the human soul is because of the choices you make. The same thing determines how much damage and how much positive things occur in the soul. Matt? Can I ask a question about what... Like if you've got, let's say for instance, you've got two people who've had quite similar upbringings and a lot like they've received like their, their damaged sort of, I don't know, like they have similar soul damage to them and then one chooses to make like a loving choice to feel some of their emotion rather than act it out and the other person doesn't. Is there anything inside of them that makes them do that other than just that they just decided and that's the bottom line, that's, that's just it? Correct. You just made a choice. You think how unfair it would be if God put inside of some of the people a, a, a will to make a choice negatively and then God put in some other people a will to make a choice positively, would we then be equal? No. No, of course we wouldn't. So God never placed any predisposition inside of your soul mm. to do something evil or good. God created a framework for the soul mm. to, to exist in and your choice to do something evil or good is completely dependent upon you. Does that make sense? Can you see the self-responsible being God created you to be? See, many of you have not been taking full self-responsibility. You've been blaming it on other people. You've been going, oh, now that I've learned about emotional damage, it's all my parents' fault. <laughs> or now that I've learned about emotional damage, it's all you know, something that happened in your childhood's fault. No, it's not. It's all to do with the choices you make. right? And like I said... By far the greatest effect that ever will happen to your own soul is as a direct result of the choices you will make. That is the biggest effect that will ever happen to your soul. As I said, there's people who have been damaged far more than you've ever been damaged who are now very, very happy because of the choices they've made as a result of their engagement of their will to love. So isn't that good news? I think it's good news. Because it means that it doesn't matter who, which family you came into on earth, you've got some hope. Because all you've got to do is engage your will and things can change, right? Isn't that really positive? Yeah, oh, I think it's positive anyway. <laughs> Joy. Um, as an elder person. As an elder? <laughs> with lots of children and grandchildren, though, it makes yeah. me realise the real importance of repentance in, yes, in and this is why we're my... going to have a long discussion with you about the principles of repentance and forgiveness on Tuesday, a couple of days' time. You can, see, you can see that we're doing huge amounts of damage to children by the time they're even born, just because of what we hold on to, the influences we have upon them and so forth. We're just we're causing all sorts of problems. And, and, of course, that then pulls them away from their real self and complicates their life. You imagine if every child was born as their real self with no additional damage, no hurt, no facades already being created, how much easier would it be for that child to learn, grow, understand, even do things like playing music, you know, enjoying their life? They'd find everything easy after that. Right? 
This is, and this is the multi-generational sin that gets passed down from generation to generation has a huge effect on the real self. Okay, let's keep going. I continue to develop the facade to meet my own and others' expectations. So I did that. I chose. Consequently, my real self remains undeveloped, untrained, and usually remains a potential only at this stage. So you could think of all of you at the moment as little tiny baby conceived souls in adult bodies or seemingly adult bodies who have yet to learn anything about even their own adult bodies, let alone anything else right? because of the damage and facades that have been created. So we could call the real self your unknown potential self at this stage. Right? And how is it going to become known? Through your experimentation with life. That's how it becomes known. It doesn't become known by you sitting in a, in a room and trying to work yourself out. Right? It becomes known by you experiencing and then developing the experience of life. Life is this wonderful gift God has given you to find out about your real self. Oh, I think it's just wonderful. Anyway. Okay, let's go on to what's the hurt self. All right. So the question is, who created the hurt self? Well, we've already talked about that, so let's go through some of these things. It's created firstly by others... Harming me. Right? So right at that time of conception, because my parents chose to hold on to their unresolved emotional issues and hold on to their rage and their anger and their fears and all the other emotions that they're holding on to, our parents chose to do all of those things right before we even arrived. What happened was those feelings entered me. They, start, they began to enter me as soon as I came here. And because my soul was undeveloped, my soul began to absorb this emotion because that's an instinctual part of the soul, to absorb emotion. And so these emotions started to be absorbed from the, parent, from, from the parents and from the environment. So that's how some of the harm was created. I then chose to harm myself further by injuring others. And in fact, did you know that by greater, the greatest amount of harm, do you, of hurt that's inside of you is related to how you've hurt others? It's not the other way around. Most of us think the greatest amount of hurt that's in us is because of what others did to us. That's actually the other way around. Okay, let's keep going. It's stagnant, and this is a very important part, it's stagnant at the age the damage or harm was created. So, what that means is, let's say you were two years old and some damage entered your soul. That damage is now, because it wasn't released, it wasn't felt, it wasn't experienced, that damage now is locked up in your soul at that age. This is why many of you act very childishly under certain circumstances because the hurt is locked up at the age and then when that hurt gets triggered emotionally which it's going to be because God created a universe by which 
the soul will grow and therefore God created a law called the law of attraction which is going to trigger any damage and try to release it and what most of us do instead of releasing it is we act upon it further and so what we do even as an adult sometimes we act like a two-year-old and you've seen that haven't you and particularly when people get drunk you see that happening very frequently don't you where they lose all the facade and they're back in there like in there's damaged self acting out all of these different things at different ages and they'll swing from one to the other they'll be very uncontrolled you could say throughout the whole experience so this stagnancy thing is really important to, for us to understand because remember we have the choice to undo all of this hurt and Mary's going to talk to you about that later today and and one of the functions of undoing all of this hurt is understanding that this hurt is actually going to feel very much locked up at the age in which the hurt was experienced so this is very important to understand the hurt self contains most of my inner causal emotional pain and suffering not at all by the way but a lot of it is contained by my hurt self and in fact if I hurt self releases emotion and releases the through experiencing the emotion then what will happen is that inner pain and suffering will be released so it's important that we understand that so we could call the hurt self my hurt child if you like in that many of the hurt self experiences are childish in their nature because most of that hurt a lot of the hurt occurred during our childhood that makes sense doesn't it and as such it's locked up at that age and because it's locked up at that age it's going to feel like childlike as you're experiencing it it's going to feel childish and childlike as you experience it so there any questions so far about that thanks Rachel if it's not all of the pain is locked in that hurt self where yep. else is it, it? there is in the next self the facade self yeah there's a lot of pain in the facade self yeah we'll talk about that yeah Teresa um I think I've heard you mention before or I might be mistaken here the when you pass into the spirit world the the damage that you had is in the hurt self that was caused by other people harming you disappears? It can do, but not the things that you've done as a result of the choices you've made won't disappear. Yeah, yeah. And remember I said that most of the damage to the hurt self is come, comes to you because of the choices you made. Yeah. So some of it will disappear. Yeah, if so if you hadn't acted on can some of it. Can you see, though, your motivation for the question? You want to wait until then before you deal with some of it. And, and my suggestion is don't do that. Does that make sense? Don't wait until you deal with damage because you think that some of it can be dealt with by some mysterious process once you hit the spirit world. Do it now. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Good day. Thanks. Glenn? Um, with the hurt self, the damage that you've done to somebody else... Yep. Uh, example, what I've been thinking is my eldest son 
all, all my children. All your children, yeah. Yeah, but in particular, the one I'm feeling at the moment is my oldest son. Yep. Only because he's the one reflecting it the most. Oh, yeah. Yep. And now, for me, the hurt, is that locked in at the time when I did the damage? His hurt is locked in at the time you did the damage. Yep. For you, the hurt is also locked in at the time you did the damage. So if you did okay. the damage when you were 35, then yep. you will also have hurt self-emotions yep. to feel about what happened when you were 35. Yeah. Does that make that. sense? Yep, it does. Yep. Thank you. Good. Okay, let's proceed. My hurt emotional self, how does it feel? Let's go through some of the feelings. It's pained, hurt, aggrieved, wounded, injured, upset and distressed. You recognise some of those feelings? Yep, okay. It's timid, nervous, shy, fearful, hesitant, apprehensive, cautious and concerned. Some of those, you recognise some of those feelings? Yep. What's next? It's fragmented, disjointed, uneven, suppressed, dormant, undeveloped, concealed and embryonic. Right? So we're getting the feel of what it feels like in there, the hurt self. <laughs> Keep going. It's humiliated, shamed, embarrassed, disgraced, unfavoured and self-conscious. And the reason why I'm listing many of these emotions for you is so you can connect to the bits and pieces that are you. Emotionally, you see, many of you, when you started to list the, when we started to list the real self, you felt quite emotional, right? As you were reading some of those parts, and as you read through some of this, you'll feel quite emotional too, because this this is the hurt associated with you. So, allow yourself to feel those emotions. It's rejected, discarded, unwanted, and unneeded by others. It's angry, rebellious, self-absorbed, self-centred and lacks awareness of its surroundings. That's your hurt, hurt emotional self. There's much more we could list in there, obviously. And, uh, and so you can actually, as an exercise at some stage, allow yourself to work your way through what is actually inside of you that is connected to this hurt emotional self. So that means, if we go to the next slide, that means our hurt self lacks development. Just like our real self lack development because of all the suppression and everything, our hurt self lacks development because each hurt is frozen at the age in which the hurt occurred. So that means that you know parts of you are two, parts of you are three, parts of you are four, parts of you are five, parts of you are six, parts of you are seventeen, parts of you are twenty-five, parts of you are thirty-three. Depending on how age how old you are, parts of you are any potential age in between where you are now and zero when you were conceived. Right? Matt? Thanks, Rach. I know you're noting down things there too. <laughs> uh, so does that mean that like most of us, in terms of what we're, what we're being day-to-day, is sort of locked up? Like are we acting out stuff that's all just from different times now? It's yeah, to be, to be frank, most of us are, are somewhere in between our facade most of the time and occasionally into our hurt self. And it's very rare for most adults on this planet to be anywhere near their, their real self. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but that's the way it is for most people. Yep. Okay. Each hurt, while it remains, prevents God's truth from entering on the same subject. So this is a problem because, because like, if there's hurt that's three years old that basically says you can't trust anybody, you might be 35 and in a relationship with a person you could trust... And yet your three-year-old is going to be saying, you can't trust him either. 
Because God's truth can't enter you on the subject that you haven't released. And if you haven't released the lack of trust, trust cannot be developed. Does that make sense to you? And this is a problem, right? Because it means there's all these fragments inside of us that are all to do with all these problems that are associated with different ages. And as a result of all of that, God's truth can't enter on these subjects of what is locked up with inside of us as, a, as an error. Yeah, Barbara? I had older sisters and I developed at a young age that I couldn't trust my sisters yep. and I still have that huge injury. Yep. And so many, you can't trust any women, right? Yeah, and yeah. many times in my life my law of attraction showed me that I couldn't trust them and then I go, there again, yep. proves it, I can't trust them. I can't. You see, this yeah. is, so the law of attraction is there not to prove that you can't no, but I, to release the emotion that's there. I know now. So, so this is what we need. We need an experience that's like our childhood experience to trigger the emotion, right? And so that's what our soul is creating, an experience. So in, in, in other words, you can't trust your sisters, right, from your childhood. You grow up, you get married, and he's off flirting around with some other woman, right? So you, then you say, oh, I can't trust women either. Uh, no, that experience is there to help you release the childhood feeling that you can't, couldn't trust your sisters. And if you release that, then the whole thing is de dealt with. Right? And so we don't understand a lot of this, what we do and go, that, that woman's a bitch, she's just, you know, she's taken my man away from me, so terrible. Not understanding that it was all created by a soul that's you. And I was thinking my law of attraction was showing me, that confirms it, I can't trust my sisters. Correct. Why and do you go there and trust your sisters? You just can't trust them. And that's them. not what it's confirming. It's confirming that you have within you an emotion that needs to be released of a lack of trust of women. Yeah, let's go. Each hurt while it remains prevents my ability to feel and experience love as an emotion. Can you see that? If you feel hurt about a subject, you're not going to be open to being loved on that subject or understanding love on that subject. So you, you think the average person has hundreds of different of hurts and so therefore hundreds of different of injuries relating to love and each one of them is locked up at a certain age and each one of them prevents you from absorbing the truth about love on that same, same subject. You can see why it gets a bit complicated as we get older, right? Let's have a look at the next one. Each hurt, while it remains, defines my understanding of the universe, in fact, the entire universe. But not, not, not only the entire universe defines my understanding of the two most important things in the universe, love and truth. Each hurt does that to us. And that's pretty unfortunate, isn't it, that the hurts do that, but that's what it does. Let's go... Each hurt is locked up inside and cannot be released without sincere expression. You're going to have to feel something to release this hurt. Right? Unless the hurt is felt emotionally, the hurt self cannot grow emotionally. So you see, what, every time what you do, when you lock up an emotion inside of you at an age, it means that you on that particular subject you are, are going to remain the same age for the rest of your life until you release that particular thing from your soul. So you, if, let's say at two years of age you learn to not trust daddy, not trust men, you are never going to trust men again, ever, no matter how many trustworthy men come into your life or how many untrustworthy men come into your life. You are not going to trust men again until you release that two-year-old emotion. Then you have a hope of trusting men again. 
Right? So you can see how undeveloped the hurt self is. It has all these concepts that are all totally out of harmony with truth, but, but it is, has been the truth of the personal experience. And we're locked up in it. We're locked up. We're frozen in it. We, we can't move unless we feel something in it. So let's. Uh, consequently, the hurt self remains young, childish, immature, contained, and restricted. And isn't that how a lot of us feel? <laughs> okay. So we're starting to get the feelings associated with the hurt self. Yep. Good eye. Oop, just cancel. Close, close that particular. No, just close. Yeah. Okay. Let's proceed on to the next self. The facade self. Okay. What is it? Let's go. It's created in my childhood. Right? By other people wanting me to be different than the person I actually am. That make sense? So, you know, the very first time your mother saw you, for many of you, she had a judgment. This isn't the child that I ordered. <laughs> you know, what's going on here? Right? Or your father might have had. Might have had well, it's a girl. I don't want a girl. I want a boy. It's not the child I ordered. It's another judgment, right? So right from that very first moment of meeting you, many parents automatically began the process of attempting to create a facade in you. It's sad, isn't it? But that's what happens. Okay. Then it's further developed by my purposeful desire to ignore my real and hurt selves. Now, why would I have a purposeful desire to ignore those things? Well, I, I would have a purposeful, purposeful desire to ignore my real self because other people taught me to have a desire to do it. And then to ignore my hurt self because I don't like the pain associated with the hurt self. So I then choose to develop my facade further. And in fact, by far the largest part of your facade has been developed by you. Okay. It's often very adult in its nature. Because adults created the desire in you for a facade or attempted to mould you into their facade. And for that reason, a lot of the emotions associated with the facade self are very adult-like, very adult in nature. It contains all of my mechanisms for coping, managing and controlling my life. Right. Let's keep going. It has been formulated so others, firstly, and then I, could avoid the feelings of pain or the feelings of my real self, which were condemned by someone in my childhood. So, you know, when you were a little child, you might have been nice and sensitive, and somebody said to you, oh, you're just way too sensitive. I'm going to knock that out of you, is an even more violent response to that sensitivity. In other words, they're going to give you a bit of hardship 
And I know some parents who purposefully have given their child hardship in order to make them less sensitive. Uh, it's pretty damaging, <coughs> but that's what we do. So we can call my facade my adult facade, and sometimes that's how we're going to refer to it, your adult facade. So that you get an idea that a lot of the emotions associated with, the, with this part of yourself, it's a, it, you could say it's another type of hurt self, isn't it? it the adult facade describes how many of the emotions are going to feel inside of you. Okay, so how does my emotional self feel? The adult facade emotional self. Let's have a look at how it feels. It loves addiction, compulsion, obsession, urges, cravings, fixation and mania. You think you're not nuts? Yeah, most of you are. Totally. From God's perspective, most of us are totally bonkers. Because we do a lot of stupid things, right? We do, in our adult facade. Loves bullying, force, harassment, oppression, repression, coercion and manipulation. So every time you've tried to manipulate another person, there's your adult facade at work again. Every time you try to coerce them, there's, a, there's it operational again. Every time you try to bully them into doing something, there it is operational again. It loves abuse, cruelty, nastiness, meanness, brutality, viciousness and unkindness. Why does it love all those things? Because it's denying its own hurt and as a result it wants other people to hurt as much as it does. Does everyone get that? We often want other people to hurt as much as we do. There are many, many spirits in the hells, by the way, who are influencing the earth right at this moment who have that problem. They love abuse. They love harming others. They love attacking others. They love hurting other people because they, they do it to avoid their own pain and feel powerful about their own pain. That's their motivation. That's their choice, and that's why they're in the hells. Loves resistance, conflict, confrontation, disagreement, quabble and squabbling, squabbling, sorry, quarrel and squabbling. You remind that remind you of yourself sometimes. Just want to you just ditching for an argument. <laughs> Loves arrogance, condescension, superiority, conceit, disdain, pride, and egotism. You know, every time you think you're better than someone else, there it is again. That adult facade, the facade self. It's insensitive, unaware, lacks perception or insight. Uh, you, could, you could say it's self-absorbed as well, couldn't you? Narcissistic, but we'll get on to some of those. It's unexpressive or false in its expression. In other words, it's completely void of expression or completely false in its expression. It pretends and makes up, right? It's unexpressive or false in its expression, pretending and made up. So, you know, this is what we do. Keep going. It's unanimated or false in its animation. You know, you, know, you meet some people and they're just lethargic and it's just like you can't even motivate them to do anything. They just say, that's, that's the facade. And then you meet some other people like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you feel like, wow, you're pretty over the top, man. And that's another facade, right? 
uh, two opposites of the same issues. Now, of course, we need to have a few and also's here. And, and in fact, we could probably have a multiple 25 and also's here with regard to, but let's list on one more page only. It's closed, reserved, controlled, forced, guarded and untrusting. Is that, can, you, can you identify with that? Yeah. How many times you look at something and you go, I can't trust that. You know, no investigation, just blanket, bink, that's it, I'm not looking at that. It's dishonest, untruthful, insincere, lacks frankness, opaque, in other words, not transparent. It's got, you know, there's always something covering over something and is not candid. Can you connect with that part of it? Yeah, every time you go, oh, I could tell the truth now, but I'm not going to. There it is again. It's prying, interfering, snoopy, nosy, meddling, intrusive, invasive and pushy. You remember, you remember when you've done that, right? Yeah, there it is again. It's un, unemotional or falsely emotional, unfeeling, unwise, dumb, stupid and illogical. <laughs> you know, some of the most illogical people that I have ever met have been adults. In fact, all of the illogical people I've ever met have been adults, come to think of it. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? It's fixed, immovable, predetermined and rigid. You see, remember the, the, the natural instinct of the soul was to be open, absorb new things, change, grow. This is going, no, I'm not growing, I'm fixed, I'm, I already know everything. You can't tell me anything that I don't already know. It's apathetic, lazy, disinterested, uninvolved, bored and unconcerned. This is all the emotions associated with this facade that we create. It's unwise, imprudent, thoughtless, irrational, reckless, irresponsible and careless. Okay. It's selfish, self-absorbed, self-centred, narcissistic and vain. <laughs> okay. So can you, by, what, the reason why I've been using these really quite descriptive words is so that you can get a feel, like you can feel the feeling of, wow, that's the part of me that's that. Oh, that's the part of me that's that. You know, you can get the feeling and sensation within you of what it feels like inside of you. Thanks. Um, you said, uh, uh, it, um, you know, unfeeling, dumb, stupid, um, and it says like, you know, how does it feel? So when I'm feeling dumb or stupid, yep, or like incapable, which is a big problem for me, yep. feeling like I'm not capable of something and I wouldn't be able to do something like that. Yep. Um, is that that's then in fact saying that's that's my facade? Yes. Self. It's, yeah. it's not something. I, I thought it was something I like that was projected at me when I was young. Oh, of course. Or, remember, your facade also begins at a young age. Okay. Remember I said that at the beginning of the discussion about the facade. The facade was created by other people. So someone, someone, taught you that you thought, someone taught you that you should think that you're dumb and stupid sometimes. Someone yeah. taught you to do that. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, and they created a facade. And now you use that facade. You use that facade so that you don't have to do certain things. Okay. You use your facade to get away with doing things. Okay. Because yeah. uh, I, I also have a facade that I'm in, that I'm... More intelligent. Of course, that's the facade to avoid the other one. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, we're re- see, we're really clever. We go, we go. Um, you know, I know many people have done this. You get to be about 17 or 18, and you go, I don't really like myself very much now because that was the facade that your mum and dad created, right? And you go, I don't know. I'm going to create another facade to help me avoid that facade. And we do this. We do, we do do that. And in fact, throughout our lives, many of us have created multiple sets of facades. And, and in fact, some of you have had different relationships, for example. You've created a different facade for each relationship. So in other words, when you're with your mates, you have one facade. And then when you're with your girlfriends, you have another facade. And then when you're with your partner, you have another facade. And then when you're with your children, you have another facade. And then when you're at work, you have another facade. And then when you're home by yourself, you don't have much of a facade and you just do what you want. And then, do you see what I'm saying? Like You could end up actually with lots and lots and lots of facades. Each one comes into play when you're in a certain circumstance or situation. Right? When I was 30, I had a party, the only party I ever had, and uh, I invited all the different people from all the different parts of my life, and when I got together, I thought, oh, who am I going to be? And someone came along and offered me a ride in their car, and we went out, and we had a crash, and I avoided it all. And you avoided the whole party. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, um, this is something that, that, this is why some people don't like going back to reunions. Right? Because, because in their teenage years, they had one facade, usually very greatly assisted by their parents to create. And then by the time they hit their 20s or 30s, they've already created another one. And then when they, they're afraid to go back to the other facade when everybody goes, well, you're, you're a lot different than where, where, I, where you were when I met you last, right? And, and we have, we have lots of opportunities to do this in our life, and we do do it. And if you think about it, even in your day-to-day life, sometimes you're in one situation, you're in one facade, you're in another situation, you're in another facade. Completely different facades. In fact, we have learned, even and been taught, to switch facades depending upon the situation. Yep. My mum sincerely believes that, believed that she was stupid, and I don't... I'm not aware that I was ever treated as being stupid, but my f- belief of being stupid, I kind of thought I'd absorbed that from her somehow. But Agree, but it's her facade, because she's not stupid. No. No. But, see, as a child... So it's either related to her hurt or her facade, isn't it? So a lot of these emotions you're asking about now are often mixed between the hurt and the facade. So the hurt causes us to feel one thing, and yeah. then we, because of this hurt that we avoid, we then create a whole set of facades to avoid that particular hurt. So there could be a causal hurt related to the emotions you're pointing out, but there are also oftentimes is facades emotion relating to those emotions. For example, I know that whenever some, with my mother, she does have a causal emotional hurt related to feeling silly, feeling stupid, right? This was created by the relationship with her own mother, right? But I have seen her use it as a tool to avoid having to make choices and decisions in her day-to-day life. See, that's her in her facade now. So I'm still not sure that, did she have to treat me as stupid for me to feel stupid? No, because if she gave birth to you when she felt she was stupid, yeah. there's a high, high likelihood that you will... And, and if it was associated with being a woman and stuff like that, there's a high likelihood that every one of her girl children would have arrived on the planet with the same emotion in them. 
that's what it means. The causal generation of sin is goes down by generation through generation through the emotion. So just her feeling it herself. Yes. Yes, this is why it's so important to get rid of some of these emotions, right? Because every, every one of these emotions unfelt remains within and affects everything around us. And if we have children, of course it affects our children the most. It affects our children the most because they, before, when they were conceived, they were the blank slate. And of course they are going to absorb what we have as hurt the most. Yep, that's going to be natural. Yeah, Peter? With our children, once we move the facade, they still have the facade in them once, because it's already there. Yes, but it's going to be much easier for them to remove it if you've removed it. Does that make sense? Because the main reason as children why they play it is because you taught them to play it. So, of course, if you, while they are children, remove your facade, then there's no motivation anymore for them to retain it, so they will then go through the feelings of their facade. So it's just like junk rubbish that they get rid of? Correct. So it would be much easier for them to remove facades that you have removed as an adult if they have it as a child. Yep. Yep. Okay. Now, a lot of technical questions here. Remember, this is an introduction. <laughs> if we could just go back... Careful those lights. <laughs> They're pretty hardy, those lights. <laughs> um, I've sort of developed, if you like, an idea or a concept about the facade self, mm-hmm. um, which I suspect is totally wrong, and I wonder if you can confirm that for me, mm-hmm. is that the facade self is a kind of a reflection of our real personality but in an addictive way? Yes, I, I have seen people with, with... There is literally not a single bit of their real personality in their facade. Not, not one single bit. So, okay, so yeah, that was totally wrong, that idea. Yeah, Throw it away. It depends very, very much upon what happened during the childhood formative years and what choices the person made. And a person is capable of making some very, very strong choices when it comes to becoming another person. Right? In addition to that, unfortunately, many people avoid themselves quite strongly and they become overcloaked by spirits. So the spirit now is acting out the person's life and the person is just basically absconded from their own life. And, and that might appear to be a facade, but it's actually obsession or possession. So there's all sorts of complexities that will arise through regard, with regard to the avoidance of your hurt, but we won't get into them here because there's other things we need to discuss first. Does that make sense? Good. So let's proceed. So my facade self lacks development. Why? Because it's a figment of our or someone else's creation and imagination. Now, notice I've said it's a figment of ours or someone else's creation or imagination. Many of you, when you were in a teenage years, you didn't like certain things about yourself, so you decided you were going to be someone else. So that's a figment of your creation and imagination. You decided what, what, what it would be cool to be, and you became it. Uh, it doesn't mean it's real, it's just a facade. Yep. The facade is denying the real emotions of the real and hurt selves. Now, this is one of the problems of the facade, is the facade is not going to help you grow. The facade is going to have all of the locked up feelings under control. And when you have all the locked up feelings under control, what's the result? No growth with any of those locked up feelings. 
Right? That's, that's what the facade's been created for. The facade is managing and controlling the direction of growth. So in other words, the, the soul can't grow and expand as God designed it to because your facade's managing the whole process. Right? So this is a problem. You're not able to grow and change as God allows you to, and, and also has designed your soul to be able to grow and change, which is very rapidly actually, because your facade is managing and controlling the entire process. The facade has no interest in true soul-based progression of the real or hurt self. In fact, the facade has purposely been created to avoid any engagement with the real or hurt self. Right? The facade is an imitation adult, a baby in adult's clothing. So what should we call it? So what should we call the facade? Let's, if you remind yourself, it's the adult facade. It will help you identify. These are choices and decisions I made mostly in my adult life to become a certain person that I wasn't before then. Okay, now to progress towards God, what do we have to do? We've got all these selves. And bear in mind that there's, there's a different opinion of all these selves on every single subject you can ever think of. It's going to be pretty complicated to unwind, isn't it? Don't you think? Okay, so let's look what we have to do. And this is a very simplistic presentation of how of what's going to need to be done does that make sense okay so number one is remove the facade self the facade self and remember that most of us have more than one so we need to probably put in brackets Remove the facades. Now, how many of them you've created? Well, that's going to be how many you're going to have to remove. And if that means there's ten, there's ten. If that means there's one for every different uh, situation you have, work, home, you know, mates, friends, whatever, and there's seven of them there, well, there's seven. There's, you're going to have to get rid of them all. <laughs> all right? It makes sense, doesn't it? How are we going to get back to our real self with, it, with the facade sitting there all the time? Preventing us or attempting to prevent us from getting back to our real self. We're going to have to remove them first Then what do we do? We feel and experience And of course we remove the facade by feelings and experiences as well And so what I might do is rub that out and just go We remove the hurt The hurt now remember, every one of those hurts is locked up at an age. So sometimes you'll feel 25, and sometimes you'll feel 3, and sometimes you'll feel 10, and sometimes you'll feel like, oh, I don't even feel like I've been born yet because it happened during in the womb. <laughs> you know. And sometimes there will be intellectual thoughts associated with the hurt, and other times there'll be none at all, and you just sit down on the floor crying because you don't, and you don't even know why. That's how it's going to be. Yep, Matt. So you can't really sincerely really engage in like forgiveness and repentance much if you're still in your facade you can't at all at if all in, no if you're in your facade you can't engage repentance or forgiveness at all it's only your real soul that is capable of forgiveness or repentance mm. 
So if you're in your facade, you're not even connected to your real soul, you will never engage repentance or forgiveness in your facade. You'll never, you'll never release your addictions unless you choose to deconstruct your facade. So did you, just to understand that, you, you just said that it's the one under that, it's the, the real self that engages, that engages forgiveness and... and um, Yes, that's right. But but you do that through the by releasing the oh, hurt release. initially, and then you've got to go through a choice, a choice to love a person by forgiving them, a choice to love yourself by repenting for what you've done. They are operations of your real self. Your real soul has to make those choices. Your facade can't do it. Your facade's fake. You'd be doing it mm. fakely. Does that make sense? You, you remember your facade's a perfect faker. You go, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I'm really sorry for that. You walk away going, yeah, I'm not really sorry for that. And you act like you're not really sorry for that. The next time you meet that person, you act like you're not sorry for that. You were never sorry in the first place. It was all a facade. If you attempt to forgive or repent while you're in your facade, nothing will happen at your soul level. It's a pointless operation. Most people on this planet, in fact, every person I've ever heard talk about forgiveness and repentance has encouraged it in facade doesn't benefit anybody in facade some people engage it truly and I often see that as well and then you see some benefit you always see a benefit so we have to educate and this is something about removing the hurt you have to educate feel and experience the hurt self see part of removing the hurt is educating the hurt self because the hurt self has a lot of beliefs that are false about the universe because of what happened to it, right? there's a lot of beliefs that are false and it has to be re-educated. You have to take it through loving education. You see, because the hurt self is mostly a child, childlike in its nature, it's like the child never got any education. It didn't get any edu proper education about love, about truth, about you know, what's the choice, about will, or any of these things, right? So you're going to have to somehow now educate this child, yours, you, are it, right, It's part of you, you're going to have to educate it. You're going to have to help it see that, no, actually, that's not true. So, you know, those of you who are really angry with God, well, God never caused any of your pain. You're going to have to educate your hurt child that God never caused any of your pain. All of your pain was caused by someone else. Right? You're going to have to educate this hurt child to understand that. That's an example. We develop and feel the experience and experience the real self's qualities, attributes and personalities. So the last point we need to do is develop the real self. Right? And that is a choice. That is going to be your the choice. If you're wise, it'll be the choice you make for the rest of your life. So it's not something that you, you'll do today and it'll be finished tomorrow. It's something you'll start today and in 2,000 years' time you'll still be doing it and you'll even feel there's more to develop and then in 10,000 years' time you'll feel, oh, there's even more to develop, isn't this wonderful? Because your soul's growing and expanding and it's growing and expanding in new qualities and new attributes if you're receiving God's love. Then, of course, there's new things to develop. So it's going to be an everlasting process, this development of the real self, but you've got to start it. And you've got to start it in a loving direction, as Mary said yesterday, with regard to the use of your will. Yep. 
develop a desire in the real self to receive God's love and truth. Why? Because it's only the real self that can have a relationship with God. So that's where the desire has to be. It can't be faked. It can't be facaded. You can't facade your way into a relationship with God. You can't fake it until you make it. You know, these are all new agey concepts to, to, become, for, to create another facade. You know, the new age, should we call that one the new age facade? Many of you had that when I met you. Right? The new age facade, you remember that one? The one that said, oh, it's all this and it's all that and I'm all zened out and I'm really good and you know, what's this AJ talking about? Got no idea. Develop a desire in the real self to be loving and truthful with others. Remember, it's not a natural desire. It is a potential, but not a natural desire. It's something you must choose with the, with the use of your will. Okay. So that's a fair bit we've learned in a few, in, a, in about just over an hour now it's been that I've been talking about this subject. Yeah, there's a fair bit there, isn't there, to digest, don't you think? Yeah. Yep. So what myself and Mary would like to do is give you some introductory information associated with the facade and the hurt selves because these are the places where we need to start. And so the next talk that, that, that you have now will be myself talking about the facade and then after me, Mary will talk to you about the hurt and talk to you about some basic principles about the hurt. Now again, what we're doing here is we're laying a foundation for you. We've got a lot to say about these subjects. We could go on for months about some of these subjects, as you can imagine. So, so we've got to just lay a groundwork with you. We understand you have many questions. And in the FAQ channel, we're going to create some FAQ channels on these subjects so that you can start to understand these particular subjects with in more depth and detail and in fact as you begin the development of these of your real self and and the experience of your facades of removing them and removing the hurt you'll find you have many more questions that you never even thought of before and that's what happens when you start to become aware of something that you weren't aware of before does that make sense so that, let that process occur. So let's look at it. The most difficult process is to remove the facade self. Can you see why? Because it's just got, there are so many of them. For, it's like, and there's usually one for each sort of circumstance or situation. But on top of that, we have so many like mechanisms for... Retaining the facade. Now let's look at some of the basic things here. Now this is not my next talk. I'm still in the same talk. The facade self has the most resistance to love and truth. It does, doesn't it? It's the one that wants to be angry. It's the one that wants to be upset. It's the one that wants to take offence. It's the one that wants to do all of those things, right? The facade self wants to retain itself. This is a big issue. Uh, to break down the facade, how do you do that when you yourself want the facade? <laughs> you created it. In the majority of cases, you want it. You want it so that you can avoid some other things. So can you see, it's going to fight for its own existence. 
You're going to think that you're giving up a real part of yourself when you give up your facade. You're going to think that you're really giving away yourself, and you're not. You're just giving away these facades that you've had with you for years and years. But you're going to believe that you're giving up a real part of your nature and personality. You're going to, during this place, feel quite strange. Because many of it, most of our facades have been around since our teenage years or earlier. And you're going to feel very strange giving them up. Does that make sense? Yeah. We also, the facade self wishes to avoid all painful emotion. You created the facade to avoid painful emotion. Right? So, of course, it's going to want to fight for its existence and it's going to want to stop you from feeling painful emotion. And you've got to see that it's you, it's your choice. That's why you created this facade. And the facade itself is angry and resentful towards God. And this is a very interesting part of the facade self. Because we're so angry and resentful towards God, we blame God for everything that was, is our hurt and we blame God for everything that God created us to be. And because we do that, we don't enter a relationship with God in our facade self. We avoid it. We avoid a relationship with God. We don't like God. So, can you see the results of our facade Hurt and real selves. Now I've taken uh, half an hour longer than I should have in that <laughs> presentation. So um, it's it, no, I don't. I don't think so. Um, we're we're probably going to take just as long as the other two presentations. It's very important information. So that means that some of these um, things might happen tomorrow that, rather than today. Okay, so in conclusion, we've got to understand ourselves to progress and you've got to understand the three parts of yourself. All right? And that requires a personal effort on your own behalf. You've got to take some personal effort to do this understanding of yourself. And we need to experience these emotions, as we've mentioned. So what do we feel about that? Joy? Joy? You just have a few brief comments about what you feel about that. Um, it is very compelling from the point of view of it makes me think, well, why wouldn't I not want to do Correct. this work? Correct. That's the yeah. biggest thing. And, but it's very emotionally overwhelming and I kind of feel like I need a day just to absorb what you've already said. Yeah. Because I was wondering yesterday when Corny said, you know, take the opportunity to be emotionally overwhelmed. and <laughs> You'll get an opportunity to be emotionally overwhelmed. If you just stay here present and listen, you'll get plenty of opportunities to be overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Laura? Um, so with spirits, when um, you channel them and they receive some of God's love and they move to a high sphere, they still have to... Um, they still have to know the facade self. What the, they well, still have to Well, you think in every example I've ever given, when I've done that with spirits, I've, I've firstly connected, gone through their facade self into some of their hurt self, and then I've been able to connect them to a feeling that's in their real self before they've been able to have that experience. And if you look at the pattern of every discussion I've ever had with a spirit, you'll see the same pattern. That's why I do it the way I do it. 
I'm trying to get them through the facade, which is all their fake stuff and all the stuff where they want to be angry, resentful, you know, crying for, for things that are not real and all those kind of things, and into their hurt, which is their real hurt, which the, most of the time they didn't come to me to talk to at all about at all. And then once we talk about that, I give them an opportunity at that point to make a choice or a decision to connect by their real self to God. And that's mm. why they make a bit of progress. So it'd be wise to really, because maybe it's just the facade self, but I felt this is a long, like this will take me a long yes, time. Yes, definitely going to take you a long time. Oh, it will take a long time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. None of those spirits are out of the first fear yet that you've ever heard me do oh, that okay. with. They don't, there's no instant transformation. Right, it's just that they're no longer in the depths of the hells, right? Where they they're in a rage and acting out their rage, where they're harming other people and purposefully harming other people. They've stopped that, right. so now they can go to a newer condition. But it doesn't mean that they don't have to undo all of this, because every single person who's ever lived have to has to do this. Okay. Every single person who's ever lived has to do this, and the only persons who will never have to do this in the future are persons who you give birth to once you're at one with God. Because they will already be in their real self and you'll just have to teach them how to develop their real self. Right? They won't have to undo the facade, they won't have to go through the hurt. But aside from that, every single person who's ever lived is going to have to go through this process. It doesn't matter if you're a spirit or here on earth, there's no magical solution, you must choose to go through a process. Right? Now I can't emphasise that enough. There's no magical solution. There's no mysterious, all of a sudden, wiping of anything. You must go through this process. Thanks. Keep your hand up. That's it. Thanks, Margaret. Um, I'm not sure I understood you, but I want to, <laughs> about one thing. When you said that we cannot connect to God unless we're connecting from our real self. I Correct. get that. Yep. But here's my question. I know I have millions of facades. Yeah. Yes. So, but I don't know if there's millions. That's well, there's a, probably quite an a exaggeration. I think I have quite a few. <laughs> Go on. But, um, but you're not saying that there are... What am I, what's the question I'm trying to ask? I'm trying to say, do I have to get rid of all these facades before I can connect to God? That's the question. No, no, of course not, because all of these selves are operating simultaneously. Do, do all of you understand this? Right. What, I've tried, what I'm presenting to you there is that I'm presenting you what makes up you. I, this is about understanding self with no plural. You understand me? In other <laughs> words, this is understanding self. Part of yourself is in the facade. Part of yourself is in the hurt. Part of yourself is real. They're all operating simultaneously. Right. So now how do you... How, and you need to see which parts are which, depending on which emotions and which feelings and which... You've got to sort all that out. Because I do feel like I I've, I've, uh, have received God's love, yep. even though I know I have yep. you know, quite a bit of facade. Yep. Well, uh, I suggest a lot of times people who believe they're receiving God's love who are in a lot of facade are actually receiving love from spirits who are in codependent addiction. Oh, them. and would you say that's and true And they're for interpreting me? that to be love from God. And is that true for me? Because I'd love to it's know It's true that. for most people here. Okay. Okay. Thank so, you. So this is the problem with the facade. It's very, very hard for you to tell while you're in it. See, see most of you... Like, you remember the interaction I had yesterday with Graham and Christiana, how 
how an email was sent to them. It wasn't even sent by Paige, by the way. The email was actually sent by Kerry, interestingly enough. And yet Paige was the focus of your attention, which we'll talk about a bit. But, but the email was sent to them, which basically just said the truth. And there was an interpretation of that through the emotions, through the emotions of the person. Does that make sense? And that interpretation of those emotions and was again influenced by some negative spirits, interpretation influenced again by negative spirits who had an agenda. And this is the, this is the case for the average person. Every single thing is through these, one of these emotional filters. Very rarely does your real self get a pure emotion from another person without it passing through all of your facades and also all through your hurt. So by the time it gets to your real self, are you interpreting this emotion accurately? Of course you are not. And that applies even to the reception of love. Many times many of you believe you're receiving love when all you're receiving is a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling which is a codependent addiction. And you've just got to wear that. That's the way it is at the moment. Uh, we can change that by going through some processes and that's what we'd like to talk to you about. Does that make sense? Okay, so rather than focusing too much time now on any more questions, because I'm sure you're going to have plenty in the future and, and there's an FAQ channel for you to do that, and what we're doing is just presenting you with a whole bit of information. I know it's a bit overwhelming and it's introductory in its nature. There's a lot more we could say, obviously, but what we want to do is move on to some introductory material about the facade and hurt selves. Does that sound all right with you? Yep, so let's have a break now for five or ten minutes, go to the toilet and come back and we'll discuss the facade.